Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. It is indeed Wayne Goldsmith. The website is wgcoaching.com. How you doing this morning, Wayne? Oh, look, look, I know I, I can't complain too much living on the Gold Coast, but if I have another hot day, I'll probably go a little bit crazy. I think we've had 25 or 26 days, way over 30 degrees, sometimes way over the mid-30s, doesn't get cool down at night. And uh, although a friend of mine I spoke to in England last night said it's minus five, he didn't have any sympathy at all. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, it's been a bit warm here too. But yeah, high 30s uh, day on day, uh, day in, day out sounds a bit problematic. Uh, well, um, I hope you're sitting somewhere comfortably with some air conditioning so we can chat uh, for the next little while. Um, and want to talk this morning about the pathway model. I read with real interest a, uh, a piece that, uh, that you wrote on the pathway model. Before we examine uh, your thoughts on it, how would you define the pathway model? Well, look, this goes by one of the advantages of being old and daughtery and telling stories all the time is I've been around long enough to know how this all came about, and I actually knew quite well the two guys that put this together originally. So go way back the 1960s, 70s, 80s. Athletic development was, I wouldn't say completely ad hoc, but it was very much about intuition and coaches doing their own things. It wasn't a lot of structure or system to it. And in the late 80s, it was a guy from Canada called Isvan Bali, a very, very smart guy, and a couple of others that worked with him. And they started playing around with some models to say, well, hang on a minute. Maybe there's a logical sequence in the same way the kindergarten kids then become primary school, then become high school, then go to uni. Maybe there's a logical sequence of athlete development, a model that we can develop and put in place. And they wrote about it. And then they got into a commercial idea. They said, well, hang on, we could sell this model under a brand name called LTAD, Long-Term Athlete Development. We could sell that model and maybe make some money. And they, they had a very, very clever model and some great presentations. And their first target was England. And they sold it to England. And England got on the bandwagon and said, this is it. This is great. It's a great model. We understand the common sense. And not long after they won the bid to host the London Olympics, they then said to all the sports in England, this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to apply this model called the pathway based on the LTAD concept and all the sports bought into it. And then, of course, England dramatically turned around their sports performance. They had a very good London, and people said, well, that's the way to do it. And then, as happens, of course, Piney, New Zealand, Australia, and many other nations copied it and said, now that's the way we're going to do it. So that's the background of history. It's a logical sequence of development activities, physical, mental, technical, and tactical, designed to take a young athlete through to elite performance level. Well, it sounds so logical, and from what you've said, it uh, sounds like it had a degree of success, particularly in the uh, in the the England model around what happened at London 2012 for them. But you're not a big fan of the pathway no. model. Well, no, and I never have been really. And, and the, the the two main arguments that I'm proposing at the moment, and this goes to a conversation that I had uh, not long ago with a guy from one of the big management companies, and they were doing a review of tennis here. And this guy, no understanding of sport, no background in sport really, except for what he did at high school and playing a little bit of tennis himself just socially. But we met and, and they brought me in as an expert consultant with industry knowledge and said to me, Wayne, we think, so independent of what I think, but they think as one of the big management consulting firms, we think the pathway model has killed sport. 
And I was pretty excited, but I said, well, you guys tell me why you think that's the case. And they said, well, one, the way the pathway model is being applied is that athletes, coaches, parents, sport administrators are out there selling the concept that unless you're on their model and on their pathway, you're never going to make it to the top. And so what we're seeing sports in Australia and New Zealand and UK and elsewhere going through talent ID programs and talent development models at a young age saying this is the pathway. There is no other way if you want funding and support. You must be on our pathway and progressing them through. And it doesn't make any sense because we know that the majority of athletes who make it to the top just don't start to show the capacities that that are indicators of talent, not just physical, but mental and emotional and attitudinal and those things. They don't really start to show those qualities until maybe mid to even late teens. So saying, unless you're eight and unless you're on our model and unless you're following our pathway, you're not going to make it to the top. It's just ludicrous. The second thing, Piney, is very, very important. And again, this is coming from some very switched on management consulting guys with no background in sport. He said the way that it's being interpreted is that we're saying that he said it's the same as saying that every kindergarten child will one day be an orthopedic surgeon. And therefore, when the five, six, seven-year-old kid picks up their crayon to draw a bunny or a horsey or a, a unicorn, we're going to correct them and say, no, hold it this way because that's the way a surgeon holds a scalpel. And one day, when you're an orthopedic surgeon, you'll need to be able to hold it like that way. So we've ended up imposing these athletic development models on young kids with the mistaken belief that every kid who picks up a tennis racket will be Federer, every kid in a jumps in a pool will be Phelps, every kid who picks up a football will be an All Black, and it's just wrong. So the pathway model, and you demonstrated it with a very simple diagram, the pathway model is like a straight line, whereas the more common um, anecdotal way to the top uh, for sports people is normally more of a, uh, a squiggly line that goes all over the place. And that, well, that's, that's the, the way that I illustrate it quite often, Connie, in um, coaching talks and when I'm talking with parents is that I've never known a story where an athlete's come to me with an Olympic gold medal and said, Wayne, I want to tell you my life story. My life story is I was great at eight, brilliant at 10, better at 12, exceptional at 15. Nothing ever went wrong. I was in the national team at 18. I've never had a problem. Everything's gone smoothly and seamlessly from and now I'm the Olympic gold medalist world recorder. It never, never, even for Phelps, it didn't happen like that. What typically happens is the story, and I call this the sporting success story, this is really what it looks like, is I go, you know, I was 10 and I was playing a bit of rugby and a bit of netball and a bit of cricket and little athletics. And then about 13, I met a teacher who really inspired me to play rugby. You know, I was still doing a bit of running, a bit of mountain biking, hanging out with my friends at the beach. When I got to 16, I went, man, I love this game. I love playing football. That's what I want to do. And the dreams started to form in their mind. Then they'll say, 17, man, I had a bad year. I didn't make first 15. It was a real struggle. I was benched all year. I thought about giving up, but, man, I love that game so much. And then when I was 18, I, I, I fell into this group of really committed players. And we went, man, let's do something special. We trained together. And I had a couple of good years. I had another setback with a knee problem and then a back. But I kept at it because I just love rugby so much. And now, after five, six, seven years as a senior player, I've finally been brought into the All Blacks. That's a typical story. That's really the story that I hear when I say to a good athlete, tell me your story. It's never a straight line. It's certainly not a pathway. And it's their, their love and their passion for what they're doing 
to get them through all those ups and downs and the inevitable troughs, troughs and falls and issues that they'll have over their sporting career. So is the pathway model, though, still subscribed to now, today, by a number of sports? Oh, it is. And it's I, I just on beyond words. I'm, believe it or not, plenty of occasion I get lost for words. But if you have a look at some of the sporting employment websites, sporting organisations are still advertising for national pathway managers, for pathway directors, for national pathway coordinators. They're still following this same model. And, it, it's, and, and as you and I have spoken on this show many, many times, we know we, the, the data is everywhere. We know the number of kids in competitive sport around the world has, is falling. We know that at elite level. We're seeing a lot of sports, particularly in this part of the world, going through decline. We're seeing the, the, the top end and the bottom end of sport under pressure. So clearly there's something wrong. And if every sport is basing what they're doing on the pathway model, and we know that there's a lot of problems at the bottom and the top level of sport, then why are we still doing it? It's, it's complete. Put the logic together. It's not working. The system's definitely not working at top level and bottom level. We're all using the same system. Therefore, the system is wrong. And we've got to go back to working with kids as kids, embracing families, making it fun, building it on friendships, making it enjoyable, supporting coaches. We've got to go back to making sport what it should be, which is about relationships and fun and enjoyment, communities, and then we'll go from there. But while this blind obsession to this theory and this philosophy continues, I don't think we're going to turn sport around. Are there any sports that... um that are doing, as you suggest, that are that are moving away towards the uh, the squiggly line mentality, or are they all rigidly sticking to the pathway model simply because, as we've both spoken about before, Wayne, it's a lot about territory guarding, isn't it, and, and ensuring, they think anyway, the future of their sport, where there's com- competition among the sports for, for getting the player numbers, etc. Uh, are there any sports who are actually moving in what you consider to be the right direction? There's not... Not full sports pointy, but there's individual coaches. And I'm a big believer, as you know, in the power of coaches and the capacity of coaches to drive the face of change. What I am seeing increasingly, and I've got a tour of England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales coming up, and even talking to some of the the coaches I'll be working with over there over the last few weeks on Skype and on phone call, there is, if you like, a movement. I always think in sport, you're either a Jedi or a Sith. You're either in the the dark side and light side, but there are a few Jedi, if you like, that are fighting against the Empire. The challenge that sports have got, though, Pony, and particularly in England and definitely in Australia, is that a lot of the government sporting bodies have tied funding to the sports adherence to the pathway model. So you have to go in as a sport and say, this is our pathway model, this is our pathway system, this is how we're implementing the pathway, and the governments are funding to the pathway. So it's very difficult to fight against the Empire when They've got control of all the money. But I am seeing increasingly coaches, when I post something or I do a bit about this, coaches saying, yes, we agree, this is the way we're going, I'm doing it. I think like all grassroots movements, the real power of change is individuals saying, hey, this isn't working, I'm going to do it differently. And as their philosophies start to grow and change, it'll go up the ladder and it'll be adopted further up. But at the moment, it's a very tough fight. 
Such an interesting conversation, Wayne. Thank you for articulating the thoughts so well on it. Always great to chat. Stay cool if you can, and we'll uh, we'll chat in a fortnight because uh, we've got a we've got a public holiday here next Wednesday. So we'll talk to you in uh, in a couple of weeks. Mate, don't you reckon we've got it upside down? We should be working on work days, but working on public holidays and having all the work days off.